0: You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K.
1: Take a deep breath, trust, verify. Anytime you pick up the phone and get a cold call, should you trust the person? You know, same thing with emails.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and the criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. This episode is for August 27th, 2020. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. We've got some good stories to share this week, and later in the show, my conversation with Ben Rothke from TAPAD. We're going to be discussing a medium piece that he wrote, he had a conversation with an iTunes card scammer.
0: All right, uh, Joe, let's uh, get going here. Why don't you kick things off for us? Dave, I have a story from Jake Moore at WeLiveSecurity.com. And Jake was wondering about the effectiveness of cloning on social media, account cloning. So Jake is a security professional. The first thing he did was he went out and tried to find people who would let him clone their accounts. But Hmm. uh, much to his chagrin, he couldn't find anybody that was willing to let him do that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he decided he was going to clone one of his accounts. And uh, on the gram, as the kids call it, or Instagram, he is Jake Moore UK. And he created a clone account called Jake Moore underscore UK. Very Hmm. similar account. And then he took some pictures that were on his Instagram account, and he took screenshots of them and posted them to the new account. He said the most difficult part of setting up the account was setting the profile picture because if somebody hasn't put that profile picture in their feed, if that picture is actually unique and not in the feed, then it's kind of hard to create a copy of that. It, that that's of good enough quality. Once he had this new account set up, he set the first line of the bio to read, new account after losing access to the original. Now, Dave, I've gotten a number of cloned account requests on Facebook from people. They Mm -hmm. frequently clone family members accounts and send me and my wife friend requests on Facebook. And if somebody did this and put at the top new account after losing access to the original, the first thing I thought about that was, you know, that might just get me to blindly accept the friend request that they have an explanation here. So this is, I think, a very effective social engineering tool that you preempt the question of, hey, why is Jake sending me another Instagram request? I'm already friends with him or connected, whatever it is on Instagram. Uh, And at the top of his faked account, he has already answered that question for you. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. go, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I think that's a really good social engineering technique. So he starts by following 30 of his original followers on the new account. And 10 of these people had private accounts. Now on Instagram, uh, if you have a private account, you have to give permission for people to follow you. I I do have an Instagram account. I don't use it very much. That's about the extent of my Instagram knowledge. Okay. (laughs) But within three minutes, three of these people accepted his follow request, and two of them had followed him back with no other communication. Nobody reached out to him and said, is this really you? He was rebuilding his follower base very quickly and was shocked to see that nobody asked about it. So after he's got this up, he decides he's going to try to test the effectiveness of this fake account. And he starts messaging his friends under the new account. And he says, thanks for accepting my new follow request. I can't believe I lost access to my account. I've lost all my followers. Anyway, I hope you're good. And I hope we can catch up sometimes. I miss Coffee Shop Coffee. He says he received eight replies from 13 of his new followers. And one of the people responded, oh, my God, what happened? I literally hate that. And he decided he was going to start a conversation with this person. He goes, I know uh, the worst bit is I got hit pretty bad with my online accounts. They even cleaned out my bank account. I feel like <laughs> such an idiot. Right. And then, of course, this person says, that's terrible. Hope you're OK. And he says, no, I'm I'm properly skint now. But I guess that means he's broke. Then this person says, oh, my God, let me know if you need any help. And he says, thank you so much. If you could put 50 pounds into my PayPal account, And then he puts up a new fake PayPal account that he established. This person agrees to send it to him. Now, he contacted this person before they deposited the money into his account. And I got to tell you, Dave, if I tried this at Hopkins, I'd be in, in real trouble because I have to go through <laughs> IRB approval before I start doing testing on human subjects. Um, but I don't really have a problem with this. He's he's doing a, a social engineering experiment. He probably doesn't have an IRB at his at his organization. Hmm. What's IRB? IRB stands for Institutional Review Board. It prevents a lot of atrocities. Uh, <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's really good to have them. But I think it's interesting that nobody reached out to him through a second means to say, hey, do you really need this money? Is that what's going on? It worked so well. It was remarkably effective for such a simple attack.
2: Yeah. I had this happen to me recently. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Someone cloned both my Facebook account. I'm not active on Facebook anymore. I uh, basically put my Facebook account in hibernation, you know. Well, that's
0: right. I got an Instagram follow request from you, but I haven't yep. been on Instagram since then. I just saw well, it come that up was, on my phone.
2: Well, that was the fake, right? right? So they did both Facebook and Instagram, and they scraped some pictures of me and, and just, you know, spun up some fake things and, and went out after my followers. And it was really interesting to watch it play out because I had a bunch of people reach out to me and say, is this you? This doesn't seem... Right.
0: Yeah. I've reached Um, out to you as well.
2: Yeah, and it looks like they were trying to get folks to go down the path of some sort of insurance scam or something. There's no question it was scammy. But what the other side of it was that there were a handful of people who just accepted the friend requests and, you know, just without second thought. So that, that was interesting to see as well, you know, who who would go along with this. And, of course, I asked everyone who reached out to me to report the account, and they did. And eventually it, it was shut down within a, a few days. But
0: uh, I'm I'm looking it, it, at it now, David, and it's still active. Is that right? Yeah. I'm going to uh, see. Can I, I can report the user, but maybe it'd be more interesting if I follow the user and see what happens. <laughs> okay. Well,
2: you can report back to us. But right. uh, I know plenty of people have reported it. It's one of those things. It's hard to combat. It is kind of a whack-a-mole game, but it feels strange when you're on the other side of it, especially when you aren't on the platform anymore and someone's right. on a platform that you're not
0: on pretending to be you. Because your Instagram account is shut down, correct? I think so. I, so I mean, how did they I, even access this profile picture? Because this is the profile picture you
2: had. Well, they, i think they got
0: it from Facebook. But that account is shut down. This must have been archival. Well, but I think
2: you can still see stuff. In other words, the the account is there and just not using it. I've, I've put it to sleep, but who knows? I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I did not spend a whole lot of time on it. Okay. Uh, it wasn't something that really rose to you know. It didn't it wasn't. Wasn't a, they weren't trying to steal money from me, you know.
0: Maybe, maybe I'll do a little detective work and this will be a story for next week.
2: There you go. There you go. <laughs> so it was at best a nuisance to me. That yes. That is how I approached it. Put the word out to everyone. My wife, who is still active on Instagram and Facebook, sent out a message to everyone on my behalf saying, hey, everyone, if you get something from Dave, it is not Dave. And, and so we did that sort of stuff. So I, I guess the, the best thing to do is uh, just... Make people aware of them. That if you do get a, a friend request from someone you're already friends with, check in with them on the original account or somewhere else and say, I say it's "Is this time you?" For a phone call,
0: <laughs> right? that's, yes. that's, that's usually what I do.
2: Yeah, phone call is probably best. I should
0: you a text actually. Right, I,
2: connect with them outside of the platform. Right. Right. Use, Absolutely. use an, an alternative way to, to reach out to them. All right. Well, that is an interesting story, uh, for sure. My story this week. Boy, I really like this one. This is a fascinating story. This is from the folks over at Duo. Uh, they are, uh, part of Cisco and it's a blog post, uh, written by Eric Daniel. It's titled A Game of Phones. Haha. <laughs> uh, fighting phone freaks in the 21st century. This is a story about toll fraud.
0: Now, Joe, are are you familiar with toll fraud at all? Is this where you get someone to call you back on a number that charges you a lot of money? It's kind of like that. Yeah. So the way
2: that the telephone business works globally, there is uh, something called international revenue sharing, which is where the different phone carriers agree to pay each other toll charges those of us who are of a certain age, that would be you and me, Joe, we remember right. when phone calls had, there were things called long distance. Yes. <laughs> right? And so some phone calls cost more than others, depending Absolutely. on how far the phone call was. And an international call was really expensive. Oh, um, yes. And still <laughs> still can be, but there were also things, uh, they started up back in the, I want to say it was the 80s when they started up with 900 numbers, which is where yes. if you called a 900 number, you would actually get billed by the minute And it could be quite pricey. It could be several dollars per minute. Uh, And 900 numbers were used for everything from uh, calling in to get hints for your favorite uh, video game to porn. And everything in between. Call now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And the way that it works is that the the carrier would split the the fee with the person who had set up the 900 number. So everyone could profit from it. Right. Uh, Well, these sorts of things still exist. There are telephone carriers who... Set up these numbers that when you call one of these numbers, you get billed. And what they do is they put out a bounty to try to encourage other people to get people to call these numbers. Uh Right. So basically they're paying a commission to
0: get people to call these numbers. I think bounty is a better term. OK, so <laughs> because because it sounds like they're, you know, they're having people go out and hunt other people to fall for this. Yeah.
2: So this is where Duo comes in. Now, one of the many services that Duo offers is multi-factor authentication. And one of the methods of multi-factor authentication they offer is a phone call. Right. Oh, boy. Right? You see where this is going? I do see where this is going. (laughs) So uh, the good folks at Duo found themselves on the receiving end of this where they would allow people to set up free accounts. As a marketing method, they would allow people to set up free accounts and you could go in, set up your free account. And uh, as part of your free account, you could enable multi-factor authentication using a phone call. Well, right. the bad guys would come in, set up a free account. They'd have the phone number to call, be one of these scammy phone numbers that right. bills you lots of money.
0: And then they'd just go log into the account over and over and over again. Right. Step right. three, profit.
2: Yes. Now, <laughs> the folks at Duo were getting hit hard with this.
0: Yeah, this could be devastating.
2: Yeah, it was It was uh, really bad. They were getting tens of thousands of dollars a month in fees Uh, so they were sort of playing a a -a whack-a-mole game with this where their engineers would block certain banks of phone numbers they would try to block ip addresses and eventually what they did was they felt like they were in good control over it and then the bad guys pivoted and the bad guys started paying for duo accounts they signed up for paid accounts which they purchased with wait for it Stolen credit cards.
0: <laughs> stolen credit cards. Come on, you guys have already built Duo out of tens of thousands of dollars. Just reinvest right. that. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> right. God, so. These... Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Now, for Duo, this makes it even worse because now they've got folks out there who are getting fraudulent charges on their credit cards because right. their credit cards have been stolen, and they're seeing Duo show up on their credit card. The folks who are paying attention are going back to their credit card provider and saying, I did not buy this. Please charge this back. And if you're a provider like Duo and you get too many chargebacks, you can lose your ability to use credit cards.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's part of the uh, PCI stuff.
2: Right. So this sort of peaked with Duo getting charged over $180,000 in (sighs) one month for fake Phone calls. Oh man. The scammers got 30 grand in one day. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, what Duo ended up doing was they disabled the ability for you to sign up online to get a phone call as a multi factor authentication. They still offer it, but in order to enable it, you have to call Duo and talk to their tech support people and have it enabled. Huh. Because what the Duo people figured out is that the most valuable resource the scammers have is their time. And yes. if, they can in, if they can add friction to this transaction, that's what slows the scammers down. That's what frustrates them. That's what gets them to move on to someone else.
0: Huh. I don't know that this is going to work, though. What happens is when
2: they call in, the folks in tech support at Duo are very good at figuring out who they are. Okay. Okay. Right. All right. And this has been very successful. Uh, okay. So they, they've they said, had
0: success with this.
2: Yes. In January of 2020, the scammers cost them a total of $7. Okay, good. <laughs> All right.
0: So they have so, significantly reduced.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. So it's working. And they say that, you know, for the folks who want to use phone calls for multi-factor, they don't consider it to be a big deal to call in to request that. So it really hasn't hurt them on the business side of things. Well, that's good.
0: Yeah. I'm glad the yeah. story has a happy ending.
2: Now, the, the folks at Duo say that they assume that the story is not over, that the bad guys could continue to pivot and find new ways to do this. But I will
0: tell you, Dave, these guys made $30,000 in one day. They haven't just walked away from this. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this right. is not something they're going to they're gonna give up on so easily. I mean, it, Duo is beaten them for now. But, yes, they, of course, it, like, I, like we always say, security is a constant battle.
3: Yeah,
2: so a really interesting story. This is not one that I was familiar with, and uh, uh, hats off to the folks at Duo for sharing this story. Uh, I really learned something here. This is an interesting one. All right, well, that is my story this week. Of course, we'll have links to all of our stories in the show notes. Joe, it is time to move on to our catch of the day.
0: Dave, our catch of the day comes from Reddit, but the Reddit user who posted this would like us to plug his Instagram account, underscore Arsh, A-R-S-H Jassal, J-A-S-S-A-L underscore. Hmm. So uh, he was good enough to agree to let us use this. And this is somebody who reached out to him with a Bitcoin scam. So why don't you play the scammer and I will play Arsh Jassal.
3: All right, here we go. Hello, are you interested in earning?
0: Yes. All
3: right, I'm an expert in Bitcoin investment. I'll help you earn lots of money from investing in my company.
0: Is this a scam? Because my friends warned me about this stuff. It's legit. Can you just send me a picture of yourself so I can know I'm not being scammed and talking to a robot? I'm a
3: professional trader with 10 years experience as an account manager. I've been helping people earn from my company. I'm a citizen of the United States. I can send you my trading license and also my ID.
0: No need. I'm just asking for a pic of your face with you covering one eye. So I know it's a real person and not a scamming organization. Because if I invest in your business and put money into it, I might not get my money back
3: covering one eye sir madam is this
0: a joke no no it's not just for validation i'm serious i'm
3: not here for play if you don't want to invest please go away i have more important people who need my
0: help to chat with i'm sorry if i sounded immature
3: you're not serious asking me to cover one eye no i'm desperate how old are you what are you giving me a command or what um no you're so unprofessional Please, whoever you are, if you don't want to earn money, I won't force you. Just stop chatting with me. How do I know this is real? You understand. I'm here for straight business only.
0: I'm serious, and it can be fake, and so can a license. If you don't believe this is real... Please don't reply to my message. I hope it's real.
3: I don't work with people who don't have faith. Just asking for proof. I have faith. I just don't want to be scammed again. If you're asking for proof, you won't ask me to cover one eye and send you a photo of it. That's childish. My company is 100% legit. I can't be here to scam people of their hard earned money and not at the critical time of
0: pandemic. I have a heart. Okay, fine. Just send a pic of yourself. It's just to make sure you aren't imaging someone you know. I was scammed by some guy I don't even know halfway across the world. So I'm taking precautions. I lost $4,000 due to that guy.
3: Sir, I won't send you a photo. Go to my profile. You'll see my picture there. If you're willing to earn money, I can help you recover your lost $4,000 within five days without no charges. Just my commission of 15% deducted from
0: your profit. I'm not a baby trader. You could just be taking screenshots of someone else's page. Why would I do that? You may be a scammer. Sorry if that's rude, but I'm just worrying about getting scammed.
3: Sir, madam, don't come to my page and say stuff
0: about me. This is the last SMS I'll send you. Do you need my help or not? Bro, there's an earthquake. Feels like your mom just walked into the room. Slash baiting. which is where I found this post. Look there. How old are you? Then Arch Jassal send sends him a meme that says, You just got burgered. Hmm. And the, the scammer asks Arch to send a picture of himself. And he sends the cover of the Wolverine movie with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like looking in a mirror, Jerry. Right.
0: <laughs> so At which point in time, abs. the scammer says, I'm blocking you. And our hero goes, Okay, nice seeing
2: it. Mm-hmm. And scene. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you very much for, uh, for posting that on Reddit, and thank you for giving me permission to use it on the show. That's a great one. My favorite thing is I'm not a baby trader. That indicates a, a misunderstanding of the English language because that comes off as somebody who does something horrible. <laughs> I'm sure he, he meant to say I'm not new to this business. <laughs> right? right, right. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds like he's actually in the business of trading babies. Right, right. Why would you
2: even bring that up? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I'm totally not a baby trader. All right. Right. (laughs) All right, well, that is our catch of the day. Joe, I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Ben Rothke from TapAd. He wrote a Medium piece uh, where he described a conversation he had with an iTunes card scammer. Here's my conversation with Ben Rothke.
1: You know, I've seen these email scams for the longest time. And, you know, there's a community mailing list I'm part of, like, you know, thousands of email lists, you know, around the country. And so I got this email from a person who I sort of know, and I knew in seconds it was a scam. And so on one side, I, uh, you know, alerted uh, the moderator, I reached out to the person. And then a, a few months ago, I started getting all these, you know, scam calls also. And I, hmm. I recorded those. I also put those in a separate article. But I thought, you know, I'd just play along with it to use and put and uh, and alert people because I mean, it's as low tech as, as they are successful. And it's just a fascinating sort of a social engineering experiment because you get this email from uh, someone who's supposedly a friend. You know, people have a n- natural instinct to help people. And so, you know, I wrote about it and uh Try, try to use it to uh, alert people because, you know, everything comes down to, you know, sort of awareness. You know, when you go to uh, Rome and you go near the Colosseum, you know, these guys who want to take your picture dressed as gladiators, uh, you know, they're going to uh, come after you for a, a nice tip there. And you know to be aware for it. You know, if you go anywhere in the world, and they're going to sell you, uh, you know, a $20 Rolex. You know, that's <laughs> not really a Rolex oyster there. You know, people know that in the real world, per se, and try to, you know, give them some awareness to do that uh, in the digital world.
2: Before we go through uh, your response to the scammers, which is quite entertaining, can you describe for us what exactly is behind this scam? I mean, what's
1: going on here? Yeah, it's pretty, you know, straightforward. You know, they want your money. If a person wants to shake you down, you know, you have to be next to them and shake them down, you know, with the, uh, the internet. know, they could do this from, uh, you know, remote locations. And the key has always been is, you know, how do you get the money, et cetera. So there's a lot of variances. And this iTunes cards are uh, easy resale. There's a whole network to do that. So they have you buy these cards. You give them the PIN and the card number. And uh, within, you know, minutes, they're able to monetize it. There's a huge supply. There's, you know, hundreds of millions. I I forget the number, maybe billions of iTunes users. And uh, so they're getting these cards and uh, they, they put down on the resale market. Um, in this case, they asked for $300. In the third world, they could take $300. And even with the various cuts, you know, paying the middleman, you know, $150 is a lot of money. You know, when it comes to uh, average income might be $3,000 a year. So uh, it's, it's highly profitable.
2: And as you say, I mean, this, uh, this initial message came from someone who was on your email list or someone that you, you previously knew, but, you know, perhaps not very well.
1: And so what's behind them being able to reach out to you from that direction? Well, you know, so they uh, somehow compromised an email account. And it's very simple as, you know, if I have access to your email account, I'm going to send this message to everyone in your address book. So obviously mm-hmm. one of the um, entries in this person's address book, you know, was the, you know, mailing list who they they've posted to. So if you've used email for you know, a few years, you know, your address book has could have, you know, hundreds, thousands uh, of entries and, you know, you blast it, you know, everyone out. And once again, is uh, if even if you have, you know, one percent return rate, even a half a percent, you know, you're making serious money there. And in this case, suppose the person's address book had a thousand entries. In this case, a few mailing lists is going out to, you know, a lot more than just a thousand people. So this mailing Mm -hmm. list maybe goes to like a thousand households in, uh, in my northern New Jersey community. So, you know, it's exponentially, it's very, very quick, you know, very, very profitable. Let's go through your
2: interaction with the scammers themselves. So it's very interesting here how uh, it both reveals what they're after, but also you you do quite an entertaining job of of, uh, sort of stringing them along.
1: Yeah. And once again, you want to, you know, keep it. And suppose you, you know, were really stuck in somewhere you wanted to send it. You know, you at least, you know, give some personal information, you know, hi, this is Dave, you know, my niece in Salt Lake City, blah, blah, blah. But this is, you know, very generic. And at the beginning, I make up a, you know, is this for Tammy, your niece? And then you throw in these little things there, you know, ask for personal questions, you know, wife's names, you know, where are you? You know, I I throw these, you know, personal names in and, you know, he has no idea, the scammer. And once again, the... Since, you know, he's trying to, you know, reply as you know, short to the point, you know, without giving as much. And obviously he knows nothing, so he doesn't answer the questions, even though I ask, you know, numerous times, you know, makes up excuses, you know, etc.,
2: it's really fascinating to watch the interplay where there's just a, you know, every now and then it seems like the scammer it takes the minimum amount of bait, you know, and gives you some little sliver of response that ties into anything you specifically asks for. But you're right. It's mostly all business.
1: Yeah. You know, because once again, he can't answer them because, you know, he doesn't have the answer. So he just tries to keep it short. And usually after five, six, seven, eight emails, you know, we have this even in the In the business world, you know, people you interact with on a daily basis, email is a imperfect communication. So you may have to go, you know, sometimes, you know, two or three emails to get a question. Not that they're trying to not answer. It's just, it's just the nature of it. But after, you know, a second, third, I keep asking, he just doesn't reply. So that's, it's suspicious, but, you know, most people will not reply to an email like this with a suspicious hat on. They will reply, you know, how could I help? You know, that's so so terrible, you know, uh, I I feel sorry for your niece. And those are the type of victims they're hoping for. Because on the one side is, you know, we do have a natural tendency to help people. And it's the proverbial, uh, you know, you go into your office, you know, you hold the door open and you see someone, you know, carrying a heavy load, you know, you're gonna hold the door open for them. And that's fine for the most part, but if they want access to a place uh, where they should have a, um, you know, ID card or a mag reader, what you do is, hey, you know, let me hold the three pizzas for you. You get your card out. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you know, most people aren't confrontational like that. You know, in the military, you know, they do a great job of that. Um, I was at a, uh, when I was consulting, I was at a uh, branch of the military and, you know, they enforce it because that is uh, really built into their mindset from day one. And in, in the corporate world, you know, you want to help people. And that's exactly what they're exploiting.
2: Yeah, one of the things that, that you do here in your exchange is uh, you keep pushing for a phone number, you know, trying to get them off of email.
1: Yeah, you know, 20 years ago, where international phone calls were, you know, $3 a minute, you could understand why a person didn't want to speak. But, now, you know, with smartphones, you know, WhatsApp, it's a no-brainer. So, okay, maybe he doesn't have an international calling plan, maybe he doesn't have wireless. So, you know, when you get back to the hotel uh, in Paris you know, your ho- let me call you there. So of co- you know, once again, is he's going to make up every excuse in the book. And uh, once again, are there hotels that are having telco problems that day? You know, perhaps. But, you know, he's got, <laughs> if that's the case, he's got really, really, you know, bad luck.
2: All right. Well, one of the things you outlined in your article here is you, ha- you have a really, uh, a good list of, of, uh, of tips for how folks can avoid being scammed here. Can,
1: can you share a few of those with us? there's two aspects is you know the beginning is common sense you know you look at this email and there's so many you know, red flags there meaning is you know there, there's no real detailed information and uh, you know you follow up you know ask a few questions but even before that how was this account compromised you know often a you know people use easy to guess passwords and often mm-hmm. they'll use this same password on multiple uh, email accounts on on multiple areas. So if, you know, there was a Morgan Stanley breach a few years ago. So if a person's using the same password there, you know, they're going to use it on your Gmail account. You know, multi-factor authentication, you know, once again, it's nothing is, that's a good solution. Nothing is perfect, but you put all of these together and, uh, you know, you're going to be about as safe as you can. At the end is you know, just use common sense is, you know, you take a breath. It's not like, you know, you witness a car accident and a person's seriously injured. So you just run like crazy and do whatever you can. Meaning this guy wants $300 for niece's birthday. Meaning if she doesn't get it in time, you know, the world is not going to stop. So again, you know, take a deep breath, trust, verify. Anytime you
0: pick up the phone and get a cold call, should you trust the person? You know, Same thing with emails. All right, Joe, what do you think? That's a great interview, Dave. I like listening to these stories. I, I really never get tired of them. I like one of the things he said. They are as low-tech as they are successful. And it's it's straightforward. They want to get your money. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what it is. I like what Ben said here. He, he was making a correlation to the, to the con artists that you run into when you're out at some venue or something, like in a foreign country, or even here in the US, it happens here a lot. Uh, we have a, an instructor, Tim Leshke, Dr. Leshke at Hopkins, who teaches our forensics course. One of the things he says at the beginning of that course is that the internet doesn't create any new crimes itself. It just provides a new way for people to commit old crimes. And mm. that's what we're talking about. The other issue with it is that it opens the door to the world from the scammer's point of view. If you're a scammer and you're at the, like we talked about a couple months ago, the at the Eiffel Tower doing the ring drop scam where I walk up to you, and then I, my audience of potential victims or marks is just the people that happen to walk up near the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. On the internet, it's everybody that has an internet connection. That's billions of people now. Right. right, right. That's really what we're looking at. We're not looking at anything new. We're just looking at the same thing, Amplified. An interesting note that he pulled out that I want to pull out of this conversation is that Ben said, in this gift card scam, these guys may get $150. But these people work full time at this because if you can get $150 out of someone and you live in a developing nation where the average annual income is around $3,000, you only need to do that 20 times a year in order to make the average income, Mm -hmm. right? The median Mm -hmm. income. so. It is a real business, and we've talked about this before, how there are absolutely just corporate structures around these criminal enterprises. I like what Ben did with the scammer. He starts probing and and asking personal information, and he knows that it's a scammer, so that's why he's investigating. And the scammer just dodges the question and eventually stops answering them. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was <laughs> was interesting. They're going to try to pressure you into something, and they're going to stop answering the the personal questions as you're probing. Your observation is great. They do minimize that kind of interaction and get right back to business. Uh, right. They don't have time for that. They are in a business environment. If you mm-hmm. look, you know, it's. Uh, it's an illegal business, but it is a business, and they have their own goals to make. So they're trying to minimize that amount of time. So any amount of time you can spend talking with them about uh, stuff that doesn't get them to their goal is a cost to them, right? which right. is why, why I'm in favor of this. We haven't said this in a while. This is something we used to say a lot on the show, but really what these guys are preying on is the, your desire to help other people. It's, it's part of our human nature to try to help each other and yeah. he was talking about uh, tailgating at uh, as a way of gaining en- entry into classified facilities or secure facilities and he has a great way to stop someone from tailgating when you see someone walking up with a big batch of boxes don't hold the door for them offer to hold the boxes mm, mm-hmm. you're still being nice and now the person has to do something else they can't tailgate in another thing that ben says it's really great is just take a deep breath and verify this is something we've been saying for a long time now we it would say, go make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and, and talk to somebody about it. That's the other thing I would say is talk to somebody about it. Because once yeah. you start talking about it, even just verbalizing it to somebody else helps you realize, oh, this is probably a scam.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. All right. Well, again, our thanks to Ben Rothke for joining us. And of course, we want to thank all of you for listening. We want to thank the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our coordinating producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening.